the Gospel of Matthew. We have been uh, looking at and reading through and thinking about these last few weeks. We had the visit of the Magi. Last week, the flight into and out of Egypt for the Holy Family. We, um, our story doesn't pick up again then until Jesus is an adult. If we were to be reading straight through this morning, we would get to Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the desert, the call of the disciples in the beginning of his ministry. We will unfold with that over the time. But for this morning, I wanted to share with you a part of uh, the Gospel of Matthew after the call of the disciples. And we're told that Jesus called his disciples to go up on a mountain. And that is where we get the, the title for this passage, which we consider the Sermon on the Mount. And it is extensive. It's where we find the beatitude, blessed are the poor. It's where we find Jesus' teaching about salt and light of the world. And it is where we hear these words this morning about retaliation and love for enemies. So I read to you now from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. And Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give them your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than the others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, God, unfold this hard and holy word to us this morning. Help us find our lives, our way, in your way. Open us to unexpected love. Amen. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, what does that mean? Perfection. We, we think of it uh, perfect in appearance or in some ability. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. No, Jesus is saying here, that we aspire to work towards, pray for the grace to be perfect in love. To be perfect as God is in love. And Jesus is very clear about what this kind of love looks like, this perfection in love. And it is to not just love those who are like you, 
those who love you, but it includes, and this is so hard, it includes love for the enemy. Love for the one who is actively working against you. Love looking like what? Love more than a feeling or an affection, which we have for, I mean, I was going to say, which we have for those we love, (laughs) which we have for family and friends, and that is all holy and good. We couldn't go on without that. But this kind of perfection in love, Jesus is talking about something more than that. Love is a desire is desiring what is best for the other, even when they are your enemy. Love means desiring what is best for the other as God intends for them. To pray, God, I want your will to be done in that one who seeks me harm. God, I want you to be such an active presence in the world and in this other's life that they will become, that he or she will become an instrument of your love and power and peace and way in the world. That's the kind of love that Jesus says is perfect. Wow. I've fallen short on that one. But let's back up a little bit further to about this passage about retaliation because this also reveals the unexpected look of love. You know, on the first read through, as you heard this, you know, turn the other cheek and walk the extra mile, it may sound passive, as if Jesus is instructing his followers to be doormats. But on a closer read, and in the social political context in which Jesus spoke these words, what Jesus was teaching his disciples was to be resistant but in a nonviolent way, to resist evil, but not by turning against the other. And uh, I've done this before in worship. We don't have time for all of this today, but the uh, incredible scripture scholar Walter Wink is the, is the uh, primary reader on this who uh, helps us understand in Jesus' day, what did it mean to turn the other cheek? But what I can tell you now, and I am positively convinced this is true, is that Jesus meant for us to resist evil, but to do it in a nonviolent way, to continue to pray for our enemy as we work for justice in the world. And so this morning I want to share with you a single example of a witness, a living witness to this teaching, who is one of ours, is United Methodist, Reverend James Lawson. He is now 93 and lives in California. But he was born in 1928 in Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Lawson is the son and grandson of Methodist ministers. He himself received a license to uh, preach, a license for ministry in 1947 when he was still a senior in high school. He graduated from Baldwin Wallace uh, Methodist School. And he served as a Methodist missionary to India. I've thought of our uh, Thoburn Lobby, named after another uh, Methodist missionary who went to India. While in India, exposed to the nonviolent uh, work and way of Gandhi, 
Reverend Lawson became more convinced than ever that nonviolent resistance was the way of Christ. So he returns to America. He goes to graduate school of theology in Oberlin, not again, not far away, over in Ohio. And there in 1956, one of his college professors introduces him to the young Martin Luther King Jr. And in their conversation, King recognizes in Lawson this commitment to Christ, his commitment to nonviolent change. And so King invites Reverend Lawson to come south. So he's now about a 30-year-old student. Because when, uh, when Reverend Lawson um, moves to Nashville, he enrolls in Vanderbilt. Again, another Methodist school rooted in our tradition, and he begins teaching there. Not at the school, but in the community. Most often, and this is very true of the civil rights movement in the 50s, most often these trainings and teachings were done in church basements. Right? This is a, this, this work that we, that we can claim because he is one of ours. He begins teaching and training people about what it looks like to be disciplined in resistance and nonviolence. Lawson believed that that was the way of Christ. That this work together was the discipline of nonviolence that would most effectively, would most effectively transform the community. Early in 1960, after extensive training in disciplined nonviolence, um, most often with college students, and a shout out to young people who over the years have changed so much works for so much good in the world. The decision is made after a conversation that was ineffective with uh, store owners in downtown Nashville is that there would be a sit-in. And you may have seen this over the years in some uh, uh, public broadcasting or some uh, stories about uh, the civil rights movement. But these trained college students, mostly black, some of them white, went into the downtown stores that were still segregated years after the law had changed, um, were still segregated and would not serve lunch to any student or any person of color, and they sat there. And they sat at the counter and asked uh, politely if they could see a menu and if they could be served and buy lunch. We're going to see in a minute on the screen what happened. The written code of conduct that Reverend Lawson uh, developed and was used for his training has become a model for others. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want you to hear the discipline of nonviolent resistance for these persons. Do not strike back or curse if abused. Do not laugh at the other. Do not block entrances to stores nor outside aisles. Show yourself to be courteous and friendly at all times. Sit up straight, face the counter. Report all serious incidents to your leader. Remember the teachings of Jesus. Love and nonviolence is the way. Love and nonviolence is the way. See, Lawson was a student of scripture. He understood and lived out and has continued to live out these words of Jesus that you heard this morning. 
pray for your enemy. Because of Lawson's leadership um, and involvement in this movement, the Board of Trustees of Vanderbilt University voted in that spring to expel him from the Divinity School only two months prior to what would have been his graduation. There was a huge uproar which unfolded in many, many ways of compromise and conflict. But they did end up, he did end up leaving the school and finishing his degree at Boston University. Interestingly, it was not until the spring of 2006 that Vanderbilt University offered a public apology to Reverend Lawson. They acknowledged that he, not the school, had been on the right side of history. So over the last 15 years, Reverend Lawson has been at Allegheny College uh, two different times. And I've had the opportunity of being with him three times in my life. And every time what I am most impressed by him is not only his courage, but how incredibly gracious he is. How his spirit has remained pure and forgiving of others. Very gracious. But I'm, we're going to watch now, and this is again in the context of worship. In finding God's way for us. We're going to watch a short video. It is uh, about two and a half minutes long. That gives you a glimpse of Reverend Lawson in the 1960 and in recent years. This was made about 15 years ago. So, um, but his, his self is, is still the same. A couple of things I want to um, alert you to as we begin this. There are two quite graphic images. They are brief, but they are graphic. I considered taking them out of this, uh, of our video this morning, but I thought that is an easy way out, because many of us don't want to know the risk that uh, Lawson and these others took, and still take, in taking a stand for racial justice. So uh, that's, a, you know, sort of a, a, an announcement. And I also want to tell you there there is a, there's a part in here when we hear an interview with Lawson, and, he, and he, uses the, he uses the expression that they needed to be like the soldier in the battlefield. And, and, and first hear of this, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. He is actually a pacifist. But when he uses the word militant, what he is talking about here is discipline. That they needed to be disciplined. They needed to be willing to follow a leader. They needed to be willing to be true to a cause even when it would cost them something. To not cower in the presence of an attack. So with that, I ask us to uh, prayerfully, with open hearts and minds, um, open ourselves to the witness of Reverend James Lawson. much more meaning to the attacker if, as he strikes you on the cheek, you're looking him in the eyes. In Nashville, we were asked by different folk to allow them to defend us. Even downtown, when we met 
taunting and so forth and so on. As a, as a group, we summarily rejected that. Now let's see what we've learned from this to us as to how uh, we might act non-violently. Our defense had to be in a very similar fashion to the defense of a soldier in the battle. <laughs> to militantly take the hostile situation and live and work through it so that you could change the tenor of the situation. That was our defense. On Wednesday, when the executive committee of the Board of Trustees met, they voted to expel me. I think basically uh, I took it as being one of the prices I had to pay for the work I was doing and for the positions I took as a Christian. That uh, it was a form, of, uh, a form of persecution, form of crucifixion, and that I had started out recognizing that was quite possible. I love the passage that says that love vanquishes fear. More than four decades after being expelled, the civil rights leader is back at Vanderbilt, this time as a distinguished university professor. So the issue is not fear. The issue is if you let fear govern your values. <laughs> Who better to teach this class on nonviolence? Thank you. There is, a, my, as you can see, there's a much longer uh, video connected to this. But we had to stop somewhere because the story is big and broad and in many ways complex. What I uh, lift up today about uh, Reverend Lawson again is his courage, his commitment to Christ, and his ability to continue to love and forgive. I want to lift up though also for all of us here the decisions of unfolding with Vanderbilt in 2006 when they admitted we were wrong. And that's hard for a lot of us, all of us probably, when we look back and about things we have said and thought and done, to be open to the possibility of God continuing to still change our hearts and to convict us and make us stronger and better. In the end, you know, that final words from, from Reverend Lawson, do not let fear, do not let fear control your values. And that even when we are uncertain, we move forward. Uh, King said, the time is always ripe to do what is right. We can always change, especially when we've been convicted that we've been wrong. So this morning, we give thanks for one, one like uh, Lawson and so many others who were willing and are willing to walk the hard road and the narrow way.